Let's talk about the future of news. I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. The state of journalism today. Telling both sides of a, of a controversial story. I think we must be unbiased. It's uh, honesty, fairness, uh, truth. That is our job. That is our job. That is our job. Hello there and welcome once again to the Our Man in Stockholm podcast. The great thing about having a regular podcast is that you don't have to do exactly the same thing every time. Uh, usually I try to bring you with a, uh, an interview with somebody, an interesting person who has an interesting perspective on an interesting subject around journalism and media and that kind of thing. But today we're going to have one of those podcasts where it's just me in your ear for a few minutes about something that has pissed me off immensely. Um, today we're going to talk about the rights and wrongs of copyright. Now, as many of you listening to this will already know, my name is Philip O'Connor, I live in Stockholm and I'm a freelance journalist. The difference between a freelance journalist and normal human beings is that freelance journalists are not employed. Uh, that's not to say that we don't have employers, we essentially work for everybody, right? We make a deal with somebody, they buy some material off us, that's it. Now, somebody who works as staff for a newspaper, they get a wage no matter what happens, okay? If they don't produce a word or a TV uh, clip or whatever else like that, they're still going to get paid. They have a job much as the same as if you do your shift in a cafe or as a teacher or whatever you're doing, you're going to get paid at the end of the month. That's not how it works for us. Now, the reason I wanted to talk to you about this today is because an Irish newspaper over the weekend, or a British-owned Irish newspaper called the Irish Mail on Sunday, had an absolutely brilliant uh, story by Norma Costello, and it was an interview with uh, what was called an ISIS jihadi bride or whatever. I don't know if Norma's, they were Norma's exact words, but that's the way it was presented, right? It's a woman who has been in the Irish Defence Forces, and Norma tracked her down in a Kurdish-held area and interviewed her because she now wants to be repatriated or she wants to go back to Ireland with her child, right? A tremendous story. One of the things that is going to leap off the shelves on a Sunday morning as people are trying to decide um, what they are going to do in terms of buying a Sunday newspaper and sitting down and reading it, right? Now, I heard that story on the radio, including clips uh, audio clips which could only have come from Norma's interview with this person right? I thought okay this is either A really really good because Norma has managed to sell it to both the day, uh, the Irish Mail on Sunday and to RTE and God knows whoever else or it's really really bad because they're after ripping the audio from a YouTube uh, clip or something like that or a clip that they saw on the Daily Mail's website or whatever and they're after using that without any uh, permission now it turned out that Norma was tweeting last night uh, saying that RTE had approached her and that she hadn't agreed to do it and yet they'd still use the audio anyway. So this is why I want to talk a little bit today about copyright and what should be done and what could be done and what absolutely should not be done, right? Uh, we live in a wild west day and age where things are accessible in a way that maybe they weren't before. You can use a couple of plugins to Chrome or to Firefox or to Safari and you can rip the audio off YouTube clips and you can put it out there uh, on your radio news report and nobody would be any the wiser unless you happen to be Norma Costello and hear it on the RTE bulletin or somebody tells you I heard your, your clip or your story on the RTE bulletin and you go hang on a second I never gave them permission to do that. Now uh, that to me is absolute anathema to what you're supposed to do right because as a freelance journalist even if you agree to give your article to a newspaper you own all the rights that are attached to that, right? You still own it. You are granting them a license to publish your interview or your picture or your video clip or whatever it is, but you still own that. The fee that they pay to you for that is not to buy the whole thing off you lock, stock and barrel. You still own it, okay? Now, 
Norma's a freelance journalist. I know that she's out there for the last few years um, uh, working really, really hard in that part of the world. It's a very dangerous part of the world. It's a very bad, like it's a very tough part of the world to work in. For the record, Norma and I are not great friends at all. We fell out several years ago over a story that she wrote that I didn't think was very good at all. I thought uh, it fell very, very short of what the standards of journalism that I would expect are and we had a sort of a major falling out over that. Now, we've been in touch since once or twice, but, you know, we wouldn't be good buddies by, uh, by any manner or means, right? But that's not the point, right? Nobody is entitled to take anybody's work and publish it without permission and that is essentially what RTE seem to have done in this in this way right now that's pretty bad but when you take into account the fact that RTE is a, is a public service broadcaster with huge budgets and that kind of thing you know this is not the way people should be behaving it's not like you know some guy sitting in his bedroom has ripped off uh, Norma's audio and stuck a you know a few minutes of it into a podcast that 15 people are going to hear right this is a state broadcaster taking this and pretending like hey this is okay now it should be subsequently said also that Norma has been tweeting that RT have been in touch and she's still going to pay for it and or they're, they're RT are going to pay for it and while that's great it's still not fucking okay it's still not okay to think that you can go and lift things like that and use them and think well you know I'll send her a few quid afterwards you know and you can, you could be talking about quite a small amount of money uh, for a new show like that now you got to remember Norma's over there working in a place where, you know, I've spoken before about the safety of journalists and, you know, Norma's safety would be a huge concern to me as it would be with anybody working in a, in a war zone. Does she have the right insurances? Does she have the right supports? Does she have the right equipment and technology that she needs to do the job properly and safely? And, you know, by paying 50 or 100 or 150, 150 euros, you're not buying peace of mind there because you still have a responsibility to people like war correspondents whose work you are using, right? So, how this works is, if I was doing a story like Norma was doing, I would be trying to sell it to as many people as possible, right? So that means that you're selling the video slash uh, text content to, say, the Irish Daily Mail. And I don't know, I haven't seen if they have video content on their website. I'm guessing they do, and that's where the audio came from. So you're going to sell that for one price. Exclusivity is a big thing there, right? So the Irish Daily Mail or the, the Daily Mail on Sunday, or whatever it's called these days, they are paying to have this story exclusively so that the Irish Independent or Sunday Independent doesn't have it, the Sunday World doesn't have it, the Guardian don't have it, they have this story exclusively there's the value for them they're most likely going to pay extra for that what Norma got paid I have no idea but I hope she got really really well paid because this is the third or fourth brilliant scoop that she's had from that part of the world and she deserves every cent she makes for it right but when somebody just takes her audio that reduces the exclusivity if I have heard that clip on the news at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock in the morning I am less likely to buy the newspaper because I've already heard the guts of the story right now if I'm a smart person and I'm interested in that I'll buy the newspaper anyway because I want to get the full story but the vast majority of people would go yeah oh, that's okay I heard that on the radio so that's grand I know that already in journalism we have a little thing that's called fair usage right everything that we publish goes into the public domain and it's kind of fine for people to refer back to that what's not fine to do is sort of take the quotes and make your own story or take extensive quotes and gut your story and then report it as if it was your own now there's a lot of websites out there particularly sports websites who are going to do what they call pickups of interviews so say I interview Gary Lineker today and then you know a newspaper decides that there was one juicy quote in it where Gary Lineker says that you know he always enjoyed scoring against Ireland and Irish newspapers pick that up 
Now, what they're entitled to do is to say, yeah, in an interview with Philip O'Connor, Gary Lineker said that he always enjoyed scoring against Ireland. What they are not entitled to do in that situation is repeat all the fucking quotes that Lineker gave me and pretty much make reading my original article redundant, right? So a story that is taken and based on the work of another journalist is called a pickup. And it's often characterised by the fact that you will say that somebody first reported something or as reported in or in an interview with, right? Now, the, so the, the written or unwritten rule there is that you do not take the whole thing you still leave enough that it makes sense for a person to go out and to consume the original to buy or to hear or to watch the original article or or audio clip or video clip right so you know you're allowed to refer to it to let your readers or viewers know that this thing exists but you're not supposed to go out there and sort of you know like republish the whole thing in in its entirety because again the value here is in the access that I would have to Gary Lineker, you know, so it's in the conversation that I had with him. Not everybody can be there on the phone to him or talking to him, and that's where the value comes from for me as a freelance journalist. Now, some person is just waiting, and God knows there's enough of aggregation websites sitting there waiting to pick these things up and, you know, to push them aggressively on social media, often before a freelance journalist themselves have had a chance, you know, so they have their keywords that they're searching, and they get their Google alerts, and bang, they have a story out there, and all of a sudden this big platform has taken over, and you're losing any chance you have to maximise the spread or the reach of the piece that you've done. But still, it's a valid journalistic tactic. It's why <clears throat> when something is said on Question Time or when something is said on Uppdragsling here in Sweden or whatever, it's why those things get reported, you know, when big things get said on big shows. But again, there's a limit to which you can morally take something and, and make it and report it without actually sort of making it, it your own, Okay. So what happens in situations then where my material or Norma's material or another freelance material or another freelance uh, has material that is taken or appropriated or used or republished or linked to in a way that is not okay? Uh, for me, I go out all guns blazing, blazing absolutely immediately. And this includes a situation where you'll often find yourself in, a, in the middle of a newsworthy story <clears throat> and people will call you up and they say, okay, can I publish that? And you go, yes, but you have to pay me. And then they go, okay. And then they go ahead and they publish, but they never actually agree a fee or the extent to which the rights apply, right? So there are certain things that you sell here. You can, if you're, you know, it's yours to sell. So you can sell the rights in perpetuity. As a rule, you don't. You know, so if you have a photograph, you know, I've sold photographs to uh, to news agencies and, you know, I've sold video to news agencies and that kind of thing where they get the rights in perpetuity. But these things are often limited in the contracts I have. So they may be able to distribute it through their normal platforms for a period of 30 days, after which, if it's distributed again, a new payment happens to be made right i can sell it for in perpetuity which means that you've got to sell that for an awful lot more so rather than selling a photograph for 100 or 200 or 500 euros you sell it for three or four or five times that because you're giving away the right for them to continue distributing it forever so this is the last time essentially you're going to get paid and the bigger the publisher is the more you've got to get paid because of the fact that it reduces your ability to sell that again right it also reduces the amount of control that you have over the circumstances in which your work appears so if I sell a picture of a burning car in Husby in Stockholm to a news agency, there is nothing, and I sell that in perpetuity and all rights that I hold to that and I let them have that, there is nothing to stop them then selling it on to a far-right book publisher who wants to use that illustration on, front of a, on the front of a book saying that immigration has destroyed Sweden. And my name may be there, it may not, but my photograph will certainly be there on that on the front of that book, illustrating something that I could not disagree more with. So this is the thing that you're doing. You need to take these things into consideration when you're doing it. So what do you sell? You sell the right to publish. 
you sell in some instances the right for them to sell these things on so if i'm selling something to the irish daily mail or the irish independent or to the guardian newspaper i'll say you have the right to publish that in your newspaper and on your website you do not have the right to sell it on without my consent if you do sell it on with my consent then we split the money that for the sales that you arrange 50 50 you know, because that's usually what it tends to work out as. They'll try to get it so that they hold on to 100% of the money. Not going to happen, right? If you have your wits about you, that is not going to happen. And if you see that it has turned up on some news service that is attached to that public publishing platform, then you get onto them. Uh, I can't speak for other freelance journalists, but the moment I see something of mine being used that either hasn't been commission or sorry hasn't been authorized or is not being paid for properly then straight to the lawyers straight to the lawyers straight on to the national union of journalists straight on to the same organization here in sweden straight on to the lawyers that i have in both countries uh, countries and straight away i'll contact them and say i'm taking legal action over this right so if somebody has published something and you send them the invoice or if you tell them that's going to cost x and they say well we're not paying x well i'm sorry take it down right you're paying for it but take it down because in some instances a story is only going to last for a day so if an Irish newspaper copies something that I've done on my Patreon page and they publish it in its entirety and I say take it down it's already too late it's been in their newspaper you know so it's wrapping tomorrow's chips it's on their website most people have seen it they've seen it on their Facebook page the story's dead there's no further value there's no resale value there's no republish value so you know you're paying for that and you're going to be paying through the fucking nose for it because you haven't authorised it and because you haven't agreed to what it is that you are prepared to pay for it beforehand right if you're going to go ahead and publish something then I assume that you are prepared to pay for it right and the allegory that I use here or the, the similarity here is when you go into a restaurant and you say feed me I'm starving and they go okay do you want to see the menu they go look at i'm starving just feed me right now you cannot complain when they come to you and say that meal is going to cost you 50 euros and you say oh you know it's only worth 20 euros i'm sorry my friend it's too late to be having that discussion when you've eaten everything that's put in front of you and you're just sitting there looking for the bill right so if you have uh, something that you an offer that you make if you say an article is worth 150 200 euros to me that's fine right if you say that you know for me to call you up on the radio is worth 90 euros to me that's fine right but if you do not agree that beforehand then you are agreeing essentially to pay whatever it is that i invoice you right and you can say oh that's not fair fair enough it's up to you to tell me what you are prepared to pay and for me to refuse it, right? You, like, all I am doing when I say to you that there's a story here is I am giving you an invitation to make an offer, right? If you don't make an offer, then I'm assuming that you are prepared to pay what it is that I am going to ask for, right? Again, if you go into a shop and you say, I'd like to look at that watch, and they hand you the watch and they say, oh, that's a lovely watch, that's great, and you put it on your arm and that kind of thing, and then you go, okay, how much is that? And they say, well, it's 10,000 euros. Go, oh, I'm not having that. Then you've got to hand the fucking thing back, right? This is not rocket science. This is basic business, right? If you look at something, you like it, you break it, you buy it. That's it. If you have used what economists call the utility, the utility is the benefit we get from any good or service, right? So if you have used or, or enjoyed the utility from that good or service, then you're paying for it, right? The same thing. You get a taxi home after a few beers there's no point complaining if you haven't agreed a price beforehand right if he says it's going to cost you 50 euros from here to bray or from you know from stockholm to solna or whatever it is that's the price you've got to pay once you sit in that car you are accepting that you are going to pay what's asked at the end of the ride okay now you can think that you know if the meter is ticking pretty quickly you can bring that up but it's up to you to break it off there and say look at i don't think this is fair to me or anybody else right but if you have published i'm going after you and i'm going to get paid now that means that if you have published 
anything to do with my story on your social media feeds, on your Instagram, on your Twitter, on your Snapchat. It's all coming down, lads. It's all coming down. If you have put my video or if you have put my an audio recording of me into any digest that you do of your radio show, your TV show, it's all coming down, lads. It's all coming down. Otherwise, you're paying what it is I'm asking for because this is not a charity. Content is not something that you can just take and you decide what it's worth. I'll decide that. I know what it costs me to do it. I know what it costs me in terms of reputation. I know what it costs me in terms of opportunity cost, right? An awful lot of sports writers in Ireland in particular, they'll do what's called top and tailing. They will go to a soccer game or a rugby game or Gaelic football or hurling or ice hockey or whatever it happens to be, right? And they'll write a match report. And they'll change the top of the article, topping, and they'll change the bottom of the article, tailing, so that it's going to look different for each website and each newspaper. But they'll send it to four or to five or to six newspapers. And they might get paid anything from 20 to 70 euros per uh, publication, right? Now, that sounds like a good day's work when you realise that they can only work for two hours a day. You can only really cover one, max two matches. I've done two Premier League matches in a day in London. Now, it sounds like a fair day's wages, but, you know, essentially what they're doing is, you know, they can't work eight hours a day. You can't do, you know, that many stories or the amount of stories that a staff journalist would do in a day because of the fact that, you know, they're freelancers. They can only be in one place at one time. They're not sitting at a desk. They're out at a ground or they're out at a sporting event, right? As a rule, I personally do not do that, right? I don't do that for two reasons. One is because I don't believe it gives value to the, you know, the three or four or five newspapers that you might be working for. I think it gives more value to one newspaper for me to work for them exclusively but if you want to buy exclusivity right and some of them will ask you for it they'll say oh you know i hope you're not working for anybody else whilst you're there yeah well lads that costs more so something that might have cost you 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 euros otherwise now costs you 140 or 150 or 160 or 170 euros because by asking me for exclusivity in terms of text you are limiting my ability to make money elsewhere right you don't get to do that. If you're going to do that, you have to pay for it, right? So it's very, very simple when it comes to those things. Like, you know, if, if you're asking for this, you have to be prepared to pay more for it. In the same way that if I'm going down and I'm going to write a match report and somebody says, oh, you know, could you video an interview with a League of Ireland player or an Alsvenskan player or whatever after the match? Yeah, but you're going to pay for it, right? Video equipment, even a smartphone costs money. The skills to edit it, a tripod, a decent microphone, these things all cost money. You think that just because I'm there, I'm going to give you these things for free? Are you out of your mind? Now, the unfortunate thing is that there's plenty of freelance journalists who are delighted to be at events, red carpets, press conferences, that kind of thing, and they're delighted to give these things away for free. But lads, I'm not doing it. I am not one of those journalists. What I am out doing is I'm offering a professional service in exactly the same way that Norma Costello is offering a professional service in a fucking war zone, right? So, pay for it. If you're an editor, if you're another reporter writing pickups or writing these kinds of stories, uh, if you're a senior journalist who's recruiting people to write match reports for you, keep these things in mind, right? There are very very few freelance editors out there right especially when it comes to the bigger organizations you are paid you get your salary at the end of the month you get your pension they might pay for a gym card for you the office is warm the coffee flows freely from the tap or in the kitchen right 
that's all there for you freelancers don't have any of that right the moment we open our door to walk out things are costing us money whether it be our bus fare train fare petrol diesel batteries memory cards internet bandwidth whatever it is the moment we go out to do a story it's costing us money and that has to be factored into what you are paying right you may have a situation whereby you have a budget per page this is not unusual where you'll say okay i have 200 euros 500 euros to fill this page on the sports pages or you know on the the world news page where you know enormous articles might wind up right in some situations you can do that you can get wire reports that the company is already paying for or that your outlet is already paying for right but if you're going after exclusive news that is going to absolutely dominate the news agenda in a given territory or country or station for the day right then you are going to have to pay for it if you're expecting freelancers to produce it right and it often it's i often find it absolutely staggering to see how much money gets invested in staff journalists contra freelancers because you know freelancers we tend to stay in airbnbs and we take the bus and not taxis and we take the airport bus rather than the express train and that kind of thing because we have to be conscious of our costs whereas if you're standing in you know like one of the high-flying uh, correspondents and that kind of thing everybody just goes ah fuck it whatever let them you know give them the gold amex card and let them stay in whatever hotel they like and that kind of thing right you know and yet we'll be expected to give away absolutely everything for half nothing you know so there is a dichotomy here and it comes from the fact that an awful lot of people who are sitting in editing jobs or in staff jobs have never done freelancing they've never actually been out there in a situation where they're entirely self-sufficient right i know if i was traveling to where norma costello is i'd have stuff with me right bulletproof stuff medical stuff electrical stuff you know the, the amount of batteries you need in a place like that is absolutely bonkers right because places in kurdistan and in syria you're not talking about a steady electricity supply so how do you keep your laptop going when there's no electricity for the next four hours and you're trying to get your story away on a friday so they can get to uh, the legal department and, and out in a sunday newspaper right you've got to be ahead of all this thing. you've got to get in there you've got to have visas you've got to have money so that you can survive and travel around and pay a driver and maybe even pay a bodyguard depending on where you're going to be right this all costs money now if you've been in a situation where you've been a correspondent at a public service broadcaster you don't care where that money comes from it comes from the taxpayer and that as we all know is a bottomless pit of money that you can keep drawing on as as you need to do to report a big story because you know that's your legal duty is to do that is to find these big stories and to go in and to inform those taxpayers who are also voters about the way of the world right freelancers don't get to do that right so they'll get a bus from you know from wherever to aleppo and they'll cross the border and they'll bribe somebody and that kind of thing and they'll have nobody to protect them or to help them or to translate for them except if they can afford to pay those things right that takes an enormous amount of money so getting back to our friend norma by you going in there and taking her work without her permission that is probably the the greatest insult you can give to any freedom that's saying to that person i don't care about you i don't care about your circumstances i only care about what your work can do for me on this front page or on this website or on this bulletin for the next few hours and you know what by tea time it's going to be gone it's not going to matter to me and i won't care about you or your situation in whatever kurdish uh, controlled region you happen to be in until the next time this happens right so when this happens when a story crops up don't call up people and say can i have your image and i'll give it give you a credit don't embed stuff on their instagram 
or from their Twitter or for anything else and just assume that that's okay. Go to the trouble of contacting the person very, very quickly and saying that I'm going to offer you or I can offer you X for the use of your video or your picture or your Instagram post or, you know, the text that you've written there. Is that okay? Right? Give them the chance to answer because when your boots are on the ground and it becomes known that your boots are on the ground, it gets very intense and an awful lot of people contact you very, very quickly. Give it the 10 or the 15 or the 20 minutes that it's going to take for somebody to get back to you, right? If they say, please don't use that, I have an exclusive deal with the, the Daily Mail or, or the Guardian or the BBC or whatever happens to be, please don't use that. The story will be out, you can pick up quotes and refer back to them and give your source as, as being my story, but please don't do that. Or alternatively, I'm looking for 500 euros for that, right? And if somebody says to you that they want 500 euros for a video clip from a war zone, you know what, you better fucking pay it. Because if you're not paying attention, how are you going to get that, right? This is the only person that has this interview. This is a marketplace. They are. They have the one thing that you want, right? Now, you can go without it. That's fine. You know, that's that's your decision. But if you can find a better story in yesterday's papers that was more worthy of having that video or that audio, you know, you'd be hard pushed to do so. Use your news sense to make that judgment. It's worth paying that money, right? It's worth telling that story in as much depth as possible. And it's worth showing the journalist that amount of respect. So if you're an editor or you're somebody sitting on a desk making these discussions, pay freelancers what they're worth. It's not because... They're thinking, well, hey, they're being greedy. They can make hay while the sun shines. This might be the only time that the sun shines on that freelancer this month. There's nobody there waiting for an expense report from Norma who's going to go, oh, that's fine. You know, three, four grand in expenses and another grand for a bodyguard for a week and that kind of thing. Not happening, lads. That's not how this world works, right? So if somebody says to you, I need 500, 600, 1,000 euros for that story, don't ask, right? Don't ask why. Don't say... That's too much. Accept the fact that the journalist has said that this is what my time and my effort and my expertise and my safety is worth, right? And what you absolutely do not do is if they say no, you don't go ahead and take it anyway. Because it doesn't matter who you are or how big you are or how much your public service mandate says that you, you should do these things and turn a blind eye to it. That is the absolute lowest thing you can do. And the more danger and the tougher the situation that that journalist is in, the lower you are for doing that kind of thing, right? Now, you know, again, I'm, you know, you're not a bad person if you've done this before, right? But from this point on, you cannot say that you did not know, right? Treat your freelancers properly. There are more and more and more of them. And in, soon you're going to be in a situation where you're dealing with either wire reports or freelancers almost exclusively, and one or two people are sitting at desks in your office. You're going to need them. If you're going to tell the stories the way stories need to and deserve to be told, you're going to need them. But you're not going to have them if you don't look after them. My name is Philip O'Connor. You're listening to the Arrowman in Stockholm podcast. You can support me at patreon.com forward slash Arrowman in Stockholm for the price of a pint every month. There will be one podcast, at least one podcast every week from now on into the near future including from the FIFA Women's World Cup where I'll be talking more about covering women's sport but yeah I'm trying to keep this together as much as possible a few more stories that I'm working on that will be published on the Patreon in the near future have a great week wherever you are and again you know I gotta say it once more pay your freelancers look after them